I became a medium by accident and by necessity. So, what's a medium? I'm not referring to my shirt size, as in small, medium, or large. I'm referring to a person that has the ability to connect to those who have passed. Yes, I'm saying that I communicate with dead people. Developing these skills didn't happen overnight. In fact, it took decades, and it comes at a cost. What threw me into the spirit world before I was ready was owning and living in a house that was haunted. I will share this story in a podcast series all of its own called The House on Diablo Drive. For those who don't know, Diablo is the Spanish word for devil. With the frightening events that occurred, that house earned its right to be on the street named after the devil himself. This experience was the first time that I gained valuable evidence of things existing in a realm that is invisible to me and others. That house is what propelled me into the world of ghosts and the paranormal. That's when my journey began, but it evolved into something more positive. But it was a result of years of denial, followed by searching and educating myself on death and life after. A string of strange occurrences had come from living in the house where I raised my children. Most of them I chalked up to the overactive imagination of a child, because the things they were saying, quite honestly, were unbelievable. I bought the house in 2001. And after eight years, I had to make the difficult choice to move out. I'll admit that some of my education about the paranormal came from watching hours and hours of shows like Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures, so I knew some of the tools that were available to gain evidence of a haunting. Knowing that my time in the house was limited because we were moving, I purchased a digital voice recorder and borrowed my brother's night vision video camera. We'd already moved our stuff out of the house, so it was completely empty, except for four bar stools and a small side table. I had remodeling to finish, so my family and I scheduled one last weekend in our house on Diablo Drive. My son at that time was too young to deal with the issues in our house, so he stayed at a friend's. My daughter and I were the only ones to stay in our house and brought cots to sleep on since there wasn't any furniture. My younger brother joined us with his travel trailer and helped with parts of the remodel, but his main goal was to set up the night vision video camera and to film our last night in the house. The first night, my daughter and I decided to set the cots up in her bedroom, the room with the most activity. At this point, I was a skeptic with an open mind. My response to other people's paranormal experiences was probably like yours. I'd snicker a little, but these were my kids and I felt I owed them an honest attempt to find out if something strange was afoot. And if it was true, I had to come up with a plan because I was wanting to rent the house out and having a resident ghost could make that difficult. The first night, we didn't set up recording equipment as we decided to focus on getting the remodel work done and save the ghost hunting for the last night that we were there. We set up two single cots on opposite sides of my daughter's room and went to sleep. Later that night, I woke up and while I was laying there with my eyes closed, I felt like someone was watching me. It's difficult to sum it up with any other words. It felt as though someone was standing next to me as I slept and staring at me. 
I felt it several times that night. And of course, a few times, I opened my eyes to see nothing but a pitch black room. The next morning, I woke up and said, Cassie, I now understand the meaning of the words. It felt like I was being watched. I told you, she responded with frustration and relief in her voice. It was the next evening, and we had finished the remodeling. It was getting late, so my daughter and I decided to set up the cots in the living room this time. My younger brother came in during the day and set up the night vision camera. It faced down the hall towards my daughter's room and viewed as much of the great room area as possible. This area consisted of a combination of the living room, kitchen, and dining room. It seemed like an uneventful weekend outside of the strange feeling of being watched. I decided to do an EVP session. This is when you set up a digital voice recorder and have a conversation with a ghost in hopes of receiving a response. I felt the need to explain that we were leaving and that other people would be living in the house. I put the digital voice recorder on the side table in the far corner of my daughter's bedroom, turned out the light, and I closed the door. I sat on the floor in the dark and I had a little chat with my resident ghost. I explained that we would be moving out and that other people would be moving in. I said I understood that change made them upset, but as long as they behaved themselves, I would allow them to stay. I left the digital voice recorder running all night along with the video camera using night vision. With nothing left to do and feeling tired from a long day, we turned out the lights and went to sleep. Again, we had another uneventful evening, and I'm not sure if I was glad or disappointed. We packed everything up and left the house for the final time. After getting back to our new house, I sat down to view the eight hours, the eight long hours, of video footage that we took of the house. At this point, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I'm still in the mindset that something major has to happen, like the stool moving or, or something physically moving that I can see with my eyes. So that's what I'm focused on. I heard a few sounds that I still can't explain because there were only two of us in the house and we were both fast asleep right next to each other. And the video would show if one of us had gotten up. I heard sounds like keys dropping on the floor and other various sounds that I honestly could not identify, which I was pretty good at. After viewing eight hours of video footage and seeing nothing move, I wondered if I really wanted to sit through eight hours of audio recording for my digital voice recorder. I messaged my little brother, the one who set up everything for me, and I told him I was considering bagging the project. And he said to me, Dawn, you went through all the effort to set it up and record it. I think it's a good idea to take the time to listen to me. I thought about what he said, and he was absolutely right. So that night I sat down and I listened. I hear the same sounds that I heard in the video, strange sounds that I couldn't identify, but that didn't mean it was paranormal. It certainly wasn't proof of paranormal activity. I'm seven and a half hours into my eight hours of audio, and I'm just about to shut it off and give up when my little brother's words enter my mind again. I turn it back on and listen. Then I hear something, and this something needs further investigation. I had limited equipment or computer programs to use for audio cleanup, so I saved that portion of the recording and I emailed the clip to my brother for his help. I don't remember how long it was, but shortly after I gave him the clip, he sent it back to me with a note. Now my little brother is a full-on skeptic, so for him to write the words that he wrote meant that he'd heard something significant. My imagination ran wild until I stopped myself. I took a deep breath and I clicked on the audio file to open it. The words my brother wrote were, 
I honestly don't have any rational explanation for what I've heard. So I put on my headphones and I push play. I hear something that sounds like a whisper, so I play it over and over, trying to understand what I'm hearing. Living in that house for eight years, especially being a mom and the only parent in the house, I listened and learned so I knew what sounds to worry about and what sounds not to worry about. I have a very good idea as to whether or not a sound is coming from outside or a neighbor's house because I know the distance between them. There's no rational explanation for what I was hearing. I email my brother and I ask what he thinks it is. And he says to me, I think it sounds like someone whispering goodbye. Chills covered my body upon hearing this, as that's what I had thought too. I listened to it again to ascertain if it could be any other word. I listened for other sounds to indicate where it might be coming from, but I hear nothing but this whisper. I have no choice but to wonder if I had received a response to my conversation with my resident ghost. My conversation was about my family leaving. <laughs> what better response could I receive other than goodbye? In my next podcast episode, I will provide you with the link where you can hear this recorded whisper for yourself. You can make up your own mind as to what you think it is. For me, there is no doubt what I experienced. What transpired after I caught the EVP or electronic voice phenomenon made that whisper seem like child's play. I hope you'll tune into that podcast series when it becomes available. If you haven't already, Please take a moment to follow my podcast series to stay informed of new episodes and other exciting news, as well as showing me your support. Also, if you enjoyed listening to my podcast, please let me know by providing a five-star rating. Thank you for following me and for your support. Now, back to the story. Eventually, I realized that I was able to communicate with these spirits through thought. I no longer required special equipment like digital voice recorders to understand them. Again, this came after years of experiencing things that I couldn't explain in any other way. One of those experiences involved a young soldier whose parents lived in my community. Once I realized that I had spirits wanting to communicate, I allowed myself to be guided so that I could help them. They were coming to me for help, and I needed to find a way to do that. I would start my walk around the community by asking to be guided to where I might be helpful. It was September 19th, 2015, the day before I was going to go for one of my walks, and I began to hear a name. It wasn't very clear, and I was catching just bits and pieces, but I heard a name that ended with the E sound, like Mary or Jerry. I had the letters O-M, but I didn't know why, so I wrote it all down in my journal, hoping that I would be able to make sense of it later. The next day, September 20th, I started my walk in the usual fashion and listened for guidance as to where I was supposed to go. There was one difference in this walk, however. Usually Cliff and I use our fitness tracker program to log our miles, but today Cliff chose not to use his phone that way. He decided he wanted to use it to take photos along the way. That's not normal for Cliff. When we first began, we noticed a beautiful cloud formation with the setting sun behind it because it was such a glorious sight. The sunbeams radiated through the clouds like they were descending from heaven. Some people even posted photos on Facebook because of how beautiful it was. We stopped to enjoy the scene and Cliff took a few photos. It seemed like every other walk. 
Communicating in spirit is more like communicating telepathically. I just allow myself to be open to a spirit's thoughts. I've learned thought control to the extent that I'm aware of at least 95% of the thoughts that run through my head. As a result, I can tell when I'm thinking about something that isn't typical for me to be thinking about. One of the most common ways for this to happen is through music. All of a sudden, I'll be doing something and I'll start singing a song that I haven't heard or thought of in years, but the words in tune comes to me like I'd heard it yesterday. Along the walk, we came across a property with a memorial sign. The same cloud formation was positioned in such a way that the sunbeams descended behind it. It was breathtaking. So we stopped to admire it and Cliff took a few photos and then we continued on our way. I told him that I would like to give one of the photos to the people that lived there so they could enjoy how it looked that day. I felt like the person who lived there was meant to have one of those photos. The destination of our walk, or so I thought, was a house that we had been interested in buying. Someone recently purchased and fixed it up and it was back on the market. As we were looking at the property, I kept hearing something about a woman. I couldn't really tell something about her no longer being married or it was someone's mom or grandmother. I made a mental note to write this down in my journal when we returned home. We continued on our way and a few minutes later, I heard a name again, but it was still unclear. I yell out, Jenny? To Cliff, who just looked at me curiously. It sounds like a name that, that starts with the just sound. So I knew I was hearing a name that started with J had OM in it and it ended with the E sound. When we arrived back home, I wrote down the things that I had heard on our walk. The next day, September 21st, Cliff was looking at the photos we had just taken and noticed a light anomaly in the picture of the memorial. This anomaly was in all three photos. There was a small ball of light that was in a different place in each photo. I studied them carefully, trying to come up with a rational explanation of this glowing red orb that moved from one side of the memorial sign to the other in a matter of seconds. This was different from the orbs I have caught in the past, as those were green and were taped using night vision. This orb was reddish-orange and was captured in broad daylight. I also noticed that the sun was behind the sign, and the orb was in front in the shadow that was cast by the setting sun. And then it hit me. We decided to enlarge one of the photos to give to the family. I kept hearing something about giving a picture to someone's mom. I realized that these photos were meant for the mom of the son in the memorial. But I was at a loss as to how I was going to accomplish that. But knowing that her son showed himself in those photos meant I had to try. It's imperative that any message I give will help bring healing and a sense of peace to the people left behind. So this was a difficult dilemma. First, I thought about printing out one of the photos, placing it in a frame, and leaving it at their door. The words that are written on the memorial are very faint in the photos, so Cliff enhanced that portion to brighten it and make it more prominent. When he was done, he asked me to look at the photo to see if there was anything else I wanted him to do before he printed it. I sat down and looked over the entire photo very carefully, and that was when I realized what I had been hearing. The name on the memorial sign was Jeremy spelled J-E-R-O-M-Y instead of the traditional E-M-Y. We didn't see a date of his death on the, on the memorial, 
Now that I knew his name, I felt compelled to look up the date he passed, but the only thing I found in a brief search was a website that served as a guestbook for military families who had lost loved ones. There were messages there expressing condolences, so I decided to add one of my own. I made a card with one of the photos we had just taken. I researched poems until I found the one that felt right to add to my card. Then I wrote a message that Jeremy asked me to write. I uploaded the card to the military website and I put it out of my mind. I was blown away when I realized that Jeremy had guided us to his mother's house that day, at that specific time, on that specific day, so we could take his picture and give it to his mom because he wanted to give her another picture of his face, only this time it was from heaven. I knew there was something very important about giving photos of himself to his mom, and I hoped it would make more sense to her than it did to me. I believe Jeremy wanted me to give his mom a message as well, so I did my best to portray it accurately. I hope it brought her a little peace and helped ease the pain of losing a loved one, especially a child. As a mother myself, my heart aches for her. Jeremy wanted his mom to know that his soul is at peace and that he is free to come and go as he wants. He's one of her guardian angels as he helps to protect and guide her. He wanted her to know that in those moments that he enters her mind because of a memory, a song, or something he used to like or say, that he is there with her, telling her that he loves her still. He will be around, kissing her cheek, and just stopping in to say hi. His soul is happy because he fulfilled what he was meant to when he was here. He knows how proud she is of him and how much she loves him. He knows and wants her to know that one day they will be together again. He said the greatest gift anyone can give him now is to always live life fully. He wants you to be happy every time you think of him. Without his mom in front of me to give me confirmation and understanding of the things that I was hearing, it was impossible to know if I was accurate. This made me hesitate in giving her the message and gift, as I only want to bring peace to her and closure. After I finished writing the message to give her, I was seeking a sign to let me know what I should do. Instead of putting the photos in a frame, I decided to write a little book about the circumstances of how the photos came to be, and now I just needed to print out the photos. I thought it would be appropriate to add a title that would serve as an introduction to the photos inside. I wanted something like, Photos for Mom. Almost three weeks after we took the photos, we were putting the finishing touches on the little book. Cliff wanted to add something to it as he loves projects like that. He decided to research her son because he wanted to add an image that seemed appropriate for the occasion. It was then that he discovered the date of Jeremy's birthday. Cliff looked at me like he had just seen a ghost. You need to come see this, he said. He had a date highlight. It took me a minute to realize the significance of this date, September 21st, 1986. So why is this date significant? Well, I told you the date of this occurrence for a reason. The date was September 21st, but there was a 20-year difference. Then I looked closer. September 21st was Jeremy's birthday. The photos we took of his memorial were taken one day before his birthday. Also, September 21st was the only date I had written down in my journal that connected to Jeremy. That was also the day I learned his name. The greatest confirmation was yet to come. I was guided back to the military website where I uploaded the card. He told me to look at the date that I had uploaded it. I scrolled down the memorial page to find my post. It was, in fact, September 21st, 2015, the day of Jeremy's birthday. A 
literally made a birthday card for Jeremy and gave it to him on that very day. And it was all thanks to his persistence, patience, and guidance. In light of the most recent confirmation with his birthday, I felt compelled to share one last thing with his mom. So I added an insert to her book that told her about the birthday card. I also told her that I believed that I heard Jeremy say that he was with a beloved family member in heaven. I felt he was with an older male, and I was pretty sure it was Jeremy's grandfather. I also told her that I thought this man had served in the military during his life. I so hoped this new information would be helpful to her and provide her the confirmation she needed to know this was real. I decided to mail Jeremy's mom the book with the photos and a copy of the card from the website. I wished I'd been able to deliver Jeremy's message and picture to her on the day of his birthday as he wanted, but since I didn't, I felt his mom receiving this gift anonymously would be the best. After I mailed it, Cliff and I were talking about the events that had transpired. I told him that I wished I knew if I heard correctly about his grandfather, since that was the only information I dared to give his mom that I hadn't received confirmation of. Cliff looked at me and said, do you really want to know? Because you told me not to give you information. I explained that now that I have completed my task by sending the message, and since there was nothing more I could do, that he could tell me now if he had found more information. We sat down at his computer, and he pulled up a newspaper article that he had recently found. The article made the pieces fit together perfectly. It said that Jeremy knew from a young age that he wanted to join the military. He was outraged and very affected by 9-11. It said he was very close to his mom and that after he joined the Marines, she would always tell him that she missed his face. So Jeremy would take a selfie and send it to her from different places. Jeremy was stationed in Hawaii until he was deployed to Iraq. There, he was killed by a sniper before he had a chance to send his mom a photo of his face. Jeremy wanted to be cremated, so his ashes were returned to his mom and were spread at the local high school he attended. His mom wants him to be buried in the Riverside National Cemetery with his grandfather, a former military man. There was the confirmation I was looking for about Jeremy's grandfather. So to sum it up, Jeremy sent me and Cliff to his mom's house because he wanted to send her one last photo of his face on his birthday. He confirmed his name for me by specifying O-M rather than the traditional E-M spelling. He confirmed his presence by having me upload his card to the memorial site on his actual birthday. He again confirmed his identity by telling me he was with his military grandfather in heaven. The memorial sign reads, Son, Brother, Hero, Angel. Her son Jeremy truly is an angel of love and light. Thank you, Lance Corporal Jeremy, for your service to and sacrifice for our country, and for showing us that love is eternal and that not even death can break those bonds. I'm truly blessed and grateful to have had this opportunity and experience. People usually fear what they don't understand. To believe in things like the paranormal requires us to have an experience that affects us on a whole new level and that we can't rationally explain. We can't accept it as truth simply by hearing other people's stories. We need to experience it ourselves. But this is one of the areas and times when you should be careful what you wish for because you might just get it, and then some you don't want. Many people who are afraid have tried to use the Bible against me. They have somehow interpreted spiritual communication as speaking with the devil himself. While there are those that worship the devil, 
I am not one of them. In my next episode, I explain in more detail how the Bible actually supports and encourages spirit communication. I will answer some questions that I have received, including how to connect to a past loved one without the help of a medium. I will share a few amazing and funny experiences when spirit has intervened in the most unusual ways to provide much needed comfort. So until next time, I leave you with this question to ponder. If we all can be guided by unseen forces of both good and evil, don't you want to know which side is messing with you? Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time.